Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would anoint me and anoint us, that we would receive what you have for us, and that indeed you would guard my heart and my lips, and that I would only say what you want said, that you would direct my mind, and that you would direct all of our minds, and that we would leave here with what you have for us. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, some of your parents may have noticed you sent your fourth and fifth graders out. And then I had a Michelle Calvo and Sophie Calvo are part of the core team. And I asked them if it would be okay if they brought them back in. And those are our fourth and fifth graders. Because what, we're, what I'm preaching from today is a concept that really started to get in my soul when I was like fourth grade. So I think there's going to be some things that you guys can take away, and I hope that you will. I'm preaching from the Psalms today, Psalm 141. And the Psalms have been a lifeline for me. David does something in the Psalms that helps my soul. And the first thing that he does is he puts it all on the table. There's no pretense with David. David gives us an example that we can go to the Lord with the fullness of our heart. We don't have to hold any of it back. Not the darkness, not the questions, not the where are you's, not the how longs, uh, not your own sin. You, you don't have to hide anything from the Lord. And David gives us an example of that. And that was a lifeline for me, particularly in college when this concept of putting it all for the Lord really started to take root and became an integral part of my walk with the Lord. I would say you can't have, that's not true. God can do what he wants to do. I'm going to say it is most advantageous. It is the best in your walk with the Lord if you can learn to put it all on the table. No pretense. The second thing that uh, David does that I really love is out of his mouth comes the hardships, the big questions, the aches, the pressures of life, and worship in the same breath. And this shows he's not blessing and cursing from the same mouth. It is all blessing. It is incense to the Lord. When we can go to the Lord with the fullness, without the pretense, there we have the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus. The good news is that not that we have to have it together and that we have to go to the Lord with with it all shiny and perfect. The good news of Jesus is that we can go to the Lord with our vulnerabilities, with our sin, with our heartaches, with the crushing things of life, and the Lord meet us in those places. And that is the good news of Jesus. Not that we have it together. The songs of the Psalms are not like, 
you know, pretty and shiny jazz hands, we got it together. They are not. They are life and also the faithfulness of God intertwined together. So we're going to open up Psalm 141. And I'm going to read it from the New King, New King James Version. In my opinion, it's just the best version for this. And there's reasons I have. I hope you'll just trust me in that. So if we can see that. Psalm 141. We're going to put a slide up here because your Bibles are actually not the New King, King James Version. Actually, I'm going to share with you one reason why I chose the New King, New King James Version. Um, can you put the first verse up there? See where it says, Lord, I cry out to you? He uses the word cry. It's translated cry. And I think it's really a better word of what's happening here. And some other translations, a lot of the say call. And I just think the word cry is really more fitting for what's happening in this passage. So we're going to read it. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. To practice wicked works with men who work iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me, it shall be excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff, and they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave. And when one plows, as when one plows and breaks up the earth, but my eyes are upon you. O God, the Lord, in you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. Psalm 141. Okay, we are going to start with, I want to show you guys that the A structure and if you're a kid, I kind of want you, if you've got a phone in your pocket, to take a picture of this slide. This gives you a structure of how to go to the Lord. I say a kid, actually, um, a big people too, because this, uh, this is still a structure that I use when I go to the Lord. So the first part of the structure that we see, you see bookends. Okay, What that means is... You notice David all through the psalm, psalms, when he is singing a song to the Lord, writing to the Lord, he has bookends that are God. He starts and ends with God. And everything in between is all kinds of things in between. But, it, but no matter what's in between, let it be a structure that you start and end with the Lord. Then he goes, he puts his vulnerabil the vulnerabilities of his heart on the table. God sends him help. He recognizes the help. And then he also puts on the table the depth of his brokenness. And then you see the other bookend. 
If you don't leave with anything, leave with this structure. I would say as your relationship develops, or actually, you know what, at the beginning, you should also have gratitude in the structure. You should also have a time of listening in the structure. But at least have this. Okay, move to the uh, next slide, which will show how this, you know, okay. So I want to describe the bookends just a little bit more. So God is a good big bookend. Have you guys ever had a, um, a bookend that, like, you got big books and it just doesn't do the job? Right? Yeah, you, they're worthless. You see the worthless bookend. If you've got weighty books... It's not doing the job. They're sliding down. You've got to really be super strategic to make it work, right? But then you see this other bookend, and that's just to give you a visual that God is a sturdy bookend. And no matter what kind of weight you put in this prayer, he's got you. He's got you. Next slide. So here is the, how the verse, we're, gonna, we're just going to go verse by verse and look at it and see what the Lord would say. Verse 1 and 2. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch. I just started on the wrong one. So go back up at the very beginning. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the, gift, the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. The Lord, I cry to you. Here's what I want, to, want you to see in this particular part of the passage is the crying out to the Lord is as incense. We see other places in scriptures where our prayers are as, are as incense. Oh, I, I, I genuinely believe that it's when we just put truth in front of the Lord, it's as incense. Indeed, our cries are incense, but you know what's also incense? Our celebrations, our joys, our encouragements. When it is the truth, the fullness of our heart that is set before the Lord, it is as incense. But I want you to see that your cries are also incense. The lifting of my hands are as an evening sacrifice. And some of you, if you've had a dark soul of the a dark night of the soul, you know that sometimes even lifting your hands to the Lord or even saying, God help, that in of itself is a sacrifice. I remember when I had uh, sarcoidosis, which was that. I don't have it anymore, but that tumor disease and my lungs were filled with tumors and uh, it was at the very beginning of it. And I had these really weird symptoms, no energy, short of breath. And they were having a worship night here. And it was a little bit of a dark time for me. But it was also a time of deep intimacy with the Lord. And I came to the worship. And I remember they sang that song, your, uh, Let Your Breath. If we just sang it here. I'm not even going to try. Wallace, what, is the, what are the words? It's your breath in our lungs. And I remember I, I, my lungs were covered in these little tumors. And just the sacrifice. 
But there was something of meeting, and meeting with the Lord in that place that was a beautiful bookend for me. Because there was a serious weight that I was slapping up next to it. So, I challenge you, if it's a sacrifice, ask the Lord. Put that on the table. It's a sacrifice. I don't even want to. Help me to make the sacrifice. Because that bookend is important. So, uh, the next part. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. In this part, what I want you to see is David puts two things on the table that are his own vulnerabilities. He's, so what you need to know about this passage is many commentators think that this, is, uh, that this was written when he, or in reaction to when he's in the cave hiding from Saul. So he's been pushed out of his home. He's fleeing for his life. He's in a, uh, a dark place. We're going to see later how dark it actually is to him. And he is in that place, in the cave. And he's, in, and he's like, there's some self-awareness in him, something of humility that is like, I'm in this hard place and I've got this sin in me that I need God's help. And actually, specifically, what, the, his, um, what was coming out of his mouth, he was worried about cursing Saul, right? Now, that's above me, because if somebody drives me out of my home and I'm in the cave, set a guard over my mouth for real, right? But the truth of the matter is, the, the words... Our vulnerability for David here, but if I'm honest, they're a vulnerability for me too. When I feel the pressures of life, when I get stressed, I lose gentleness. And, the, and David here is saying, I'm putting, I see this God and I need your help. And I'm putting it on the table and set a guard. And why do we need a guard? A guard is because something is weaponized. A guard is because something has become, it's lashing out in a way to do harm. I bless us, all saints, community, church, to be a people who what comes out of our lips is pleasing to the Lord and is not weapons against each other, that builds one another up. No matter what the pressures are, no matter what we're fleeing from, no matter what is occurring, that God would set a guard on our lips. As the body of Christ, let it be. Let it be. The second thing that David has a lot of humility about and a, a, just a lot of self-awareness uh, is his own inclination towards sin. He doesn't say what the sin is here, but you're going to see a slippery slope. Okay, You're going to see a slippery slope, and it starts with, do not incline my heart to any evil thing. It's like, a, oh, this is inside. You guys know when, okay, I know when my heart is leaning towards something or has a thought that is not of the Lord. And the Lord's not being like a buzzkill or mean. The Lord knows that that is not what is for us. And if he brings it to mind, oh, I, your friends, at this point, your friends aren't seeing it because it's inside you. 
right? So self-awareness, humility, put it on the table. The inclination of my heart, the leaning of my heart. But it goes from inclination to practicing. And that's really how it happens. It's just like a slow a slow jog to the boiling pot, right? And then you got the third, with men who work iniquity. So it goes from yourself inside to, oh, I'm going to go towards that thing, to, oh, I'm going to join the person who is good at this <laughs> and be taught. Or practice becomes a work. David's like, I see it. I see it in me. God, have mercy. And he puts it on the table. He is not hiding the secrets of his heart or the things where he's already in the bear trap. He's not. And he says, do not let me eat of their delicacies. That Do not let me eat of their delicacies is important because delicacies are like they look good. And our enemy knows that they look good to us. And he knows what is a delicacy for me is different than what is a delicacy for Connie. He knows. And so then I want you guys to see um, from the Narnia. You, you know this scene, Peter? Right? He's got the Turkish delight. He's eating the delicacy. So if you don't know the story, Peter has an inclination in his heart. He wants to go see what that queen is about. And he sees it, and he's like, ooh. And then he decides to move towards it. A little bit of practice, he's, he's got to. And then he eats it. And he meets up with her, and she works the iniquity. And he trades so much in that moment for that Turkish delight. Right? That's what, that's, it's the slow, it's, a, it's, you know, and he was not aware. And he almost took down himself, and he almost took down his family. And that's what, that's what iniquity does. It takes down ourselves, it, it, it's destruction, and it's destruction on our families. And it's destruction on our family. Because your weakness is my weakness, and that's another, that's another teaching. But So, David, self-awareness, humility, putting it on the table. Put your on the table. And if you don't know what it is, ask the Lord. Show me. Show me. David prays that. Lord, show me if there be any wicked way in me. And then put it on the table. Now, here's something that the Lord does sometimes when he sees that we're moving towards the Turkish delight, right? Or maybe we're already sitting down eating the Turkish delight. And actually, I think the Lord sends help when the inclination is in our heart, if we'll pay attention. Um, let's go to the next. Do we have a slide that has? Hold on here. Do we have a slide that, that has the, let the righteous strike me? It shall be kindness. So here is the Lord sending help. And if you need help, ask for help. 
And my guess is the Lord is sending help. Give me eyes to see the help. Let the righteous strike me and that shall be a kindness. And I'm just going to say as a therapist, I was like, yikes. I don't feel that, right? That just doesn't feel very, uh, how are we going to? But let me tell you when getting struck is kindness. Can you show the picture of the cliff? Do you see that guardrail? When you strike that guardrail, it is the kindness of the Lord. It, it is the kindness of the Lord. When he sends friends who say, man, uh, try, to, try to resist pride. And not everything our friends say is true. Sometimes people can be Job's friends. I get it. But sometimes they're seeing, and you are headed towards the cliff. And it is his mercy for you to strike that guardrail. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me, it shall be excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Dear God, let us not refuse the help that you send to us. Let us not refuse the help that you send to us. So this next uh, part, verse, we're at verse 7. Here we see David putting the depth of his brokenness on the table. Now I am, if you're an Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 7. I am the most optimistic person, not in the room. Wallace Walter might be a little more optimistic than me. <laughs> the therapist in me, like, broke that a little bit. But, but I am optimistic, and, but the Lord is saying, there's nothing wrong with optimism. Don't, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Put it all on the table and don't skimp. Don't skimp. Here David says, our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave and when one plows and breaks up the earth. My guess is people who, uh, if, if you've been through trauma or any sort of domestic violence and you've got to leave your home, this kind of despair where the brokenness is heavy and you're just, it feels like death and death is right there. That's what David is actually going through. Death is right on the threshold. They're going after him. He's had to leave his home and flee. And here's one thing I like about the acknowledgement of this hard thing. David dispels the myth that if you are special, bad things don't happen to you. David is anointed. David is a man after God's own heart. And here he is in the cave fleeing for his life. So when the pressures of life or the things that are hard press in and the enemy would want to say to you, you're not special to God because you're going through the hard thing, it's just not true. It's just not true. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave. So the closest personal story I have to this, I, I don't think I've felt this kind of brokenness. There was a season in my life where I was going through a loss. 
It was grief that I had not ever experienced. And I was not sleeping at night. And poor Mike and Jen Milner were getting emails at 3 a.m. as I just poured out my soul and asked for help from friends and saw the inclination of my heart and the words of my mouth, all kinds of stuff, right? And um, I had just gone to Walmart to get groceries. And while I was getting groceries, I was worn out. I get home, and I'm sitting in my car, and I, did not, I didn't have it in me to take my groceries in. And I literally was just sad, broken, and had nothing. So much so, I said, God... I would pay somebody a million dollars to come and put my groceries up, right? That for me, that was the, that was the brokenness. The, I, I felt like I'd been rolled over, tap danced on, you know. And I, but I cried out to the Lord, help, help. And I got a phone call immediately from somebody I had not talked to in probably at least a year or maybe two. And it was Anna Kunstler. I don't know if you guys know her, but the Lord bless her and keep her and make his face to shine upon her. She called me and she said, Esther, I just, the Lord just keeps bringing you to mind. How are you? And if I didn't live in Chandler, I would have said, Anna, will you come put my groceries away? Right? In that time in my life, it was everything to put it all in front of the Lord without any pretense. Because let me tell you, the words in my mouth, it was pretty quick. When you feel that pressure and the inclination of my heart was going to make choices outside of what God had for me. But the Lord in his goodness stuck a big fat book in and said, you ain't going anywhere. Just stay next to me. I want to encourage you. Stay next to the Lord. In all the things. Don't let the caves of our life and the things that we have to flee from take away from us our bookends. Because here's what happens. The, the bad things happen. And, then we, and it's really true. We wrestle. And I'm all for a wrestling season. I'm all for it. I'm all for God. Um, I had my wrestling season with cancer in my 20s, so when I got to this at the age of 40, the bookend was a little sturdier, right? But if you don't have a sturdy bookend, God, give it to me. Help me. Because you can go to him and say, how long and the wise. But then also declare his faithfulness. You need it. You need it. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, and when one plows and breaks, as when one plows and breaks up the earth. Moving to the last bookend. Verse 8. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord. So 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 you see the a shift. He, he put it on the table, the depth of his despair, death, brokenness. And then 
Lord, my eyes are on the Lord. And if you can't, if, if you can't find it in you to turn your eyes to the Lord, call a friend who they, you know that they've got good bookends. Help. You got an Anna Kunstler in your life? You got a Will Calvo, Michelle Calvo in your life? You got a Mike or Jen Milner in your life? McCaslin's. We got a lot of bookends in here. Well, people who know the bookend. Call them. Help my eyes. Turn my eyes to the Lord. Not to minimize. Not to minimize. Not to say, oh, your bones aren't broken and you're not, you know, you're not at death. The reality is we're all going to die. That The cave really is there. But the, it is the Lord who will be with us in the cave that is the difference. So find a friend who's walked through it and they clung to the Lord and you know it and say, I need my eyes to fix on the Lord. I need it. In you I take refuge. That word is actually better translated in you I trust. I've preached a sermon before about trusting in the Lord and that sometimes hard things can uh, hard things get in there that make us question if we can trust to the, trust the Lord. And then I tell a story about, I've got a storm shelter, right? And I, uh, it was getting tornado season, and I went to the storm shelter to clean it out because Rich was out of town, and there was, you know, the news had shown the cone of death, you know, or the whatever, the cone of danger. And I was like, oh, goodness. So I went and, to clean out the shelter, and there were scorpions in the shelter. I thank you. There were also spiders, but I mean, at that point, I'm just like, I don't even, this, what are spiders? You know, the scorpions, like, not like two scorpions, like, they were just like living down there, right? And so I had to do a bug bomb, but then I had to go in and get them out. I had to get the scorpions out of the shelter to use the shelter right? And then getting them out of the shelter is like a whole thing because you've got, a, you've got them in the broom thingy, right? And you're walking up the steps. Don't do it that way. I learned you do it this way, okay? Just, I mean, I'm here for you. Just, just know that, okay? So getting the scorpions out of the shelter, though, it took time, and it was scary, and I had to do it or we weren't going to use that shelter because, you know what, I'll take my chances, right? With the Lord, and I'm sorry if you guys, some of you have heard this story before, but with the Lord. Some of us have scorpions in our shelter. We have things that we really need to look at and, and get help to remove them so that we can run to him as our shelter. And that might look like um, it, it, prayer from a friend, it might look like counseling, it might look like inner healing, it might look like, for me, it's all of the above. I've done all of it. And will continue, you know, as, as something gets in my shelter that keeps me from going to the Lord as my refuge. Because he wants to be your refuge. And if, he's, if you still have a couple scorpions in your shelter, I would, you can... 
You can trust the Lord with the scorpions. So you, you just can. But, but I do think they need to be dealt with. And you can get some freedom and healing from that. So it says, take us, uh, but my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, and you I take refuge. Do not let my soul, do not leave my soul destitute. So destitute uh, is like empty, naked, vulnerable. Because without the Lord, you guys, we really are those things. We are so vulnerable without the Lord. We got these big weighty books of life and the flimsy bookend is not going to do it. We might as well be naked and bare. And the Lord is saying, I want to be your substance, to fill you, to be with you in these places. Keep me from the snares they have, uh, they have laid for me and the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked lick let the, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. Keep me. The words keep me. Like just keep me. That prayer. You know, keep me. God, keep me. I want to say that you can trust the Lord. You see in here in this, passage, in this part of the passage. God sees things you don't see. He is. I've got a, a slide with point guards. Can you give me the slide? Okay. Here's what a point guard does. A point guard, and, and I've, I just would like to say, I played point guard, so I got a little bit of, I mean, a little bit of savvy about what a point guard does. A good point guard does not just have good handles. The, a good and quick, <laughs> um, anyway, that was actually my weakness. But anyway, a, um, a good point guard sees the court. And the good point guard reads the offense of the other team to call the defense of your team. So, and a good point guard reads the defense of the other team to know what offense to run. So if they're playing zone, you know to run an offense that is zone based on what kind. I mean, it's a whole thing, you guys. But a good point guard reads the offense, reads the defense, and then leads the team accordingly. Now, if you have a good coach, you can turn off your brain some because hopefully the coach is doing that work for you and he's helping you out on the side and making the adjustments and calling them out to you, the point guard, who then calls them out to the team. Okay? God is an amazing point guard. He sees things you don't see. And you can turn your brain off to some degree. I mean, I, I don't mean that, but you can just rest. You can rest that he sees the inclination of your heart. He knows what you're inclined to see as a delicacy. He knows you. And he sees what trap you're headed towards. And he knows the enemy and where those traps are. You have got to stay close to the Lord or, or this is a mess. Life gets really messy without the bookend of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would help us to engage with you with the fullness of our hearts. You give us self-awareness and humility to put it all on the table. You would guard our mouths 
And Lord, have mercy upon us. And the traps that are set before us, help us. Cause us to stay close to you. I speak over our families, a nearness to the Lord. To hear his leading, to follow his leading, and to know his mercy and help in all the caves of life. In Jesus' name.